0: Welcome back Unleash Leader, I'm your Mindset Coach Sarah Hunter and today I am excited to introduce you to Camelia. She's going to be joining us on this conversation of being an entrepreneur, the depths and normalizing what it is to experience as an entrepreneur. Welcome Camellia. Thank you Sarah, thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. We were having like a pre chat before we hit record, and I just know that this conversation is going to be such um, an eye opening conversation and a bit of a permission slip as well for anyone who is either in corporate and thinking about leaving, people who have never experienced corporate before, like myself. I think this is going to be a really great conversation from you, from someone who was experienced both and know what it is to be working with leaders and working for yourself as well. So I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to all the listeners.
1: Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Camelia Barada. I am originally from Morocco, but I've spent the last 12 years um, based in London, and I'm traveling a lot now that I'm officially an entrepreneur. <laughs> Um, I spent the first seven years of my career specializing in leadership and spending the majority of my time coaching C suite executive, you know, advisory, really high level, influential leaders mainly in the UK, but also worldwide, and worked with people like Kumi Naidu when he was Secretary General of Amnesty International, spent the last two years of my corporate career setting up um, police executive leadership business um, through Deloitte, where I ended up advising over 50% of the UK's um, policing executives at the highest level when they were under quite a lot of pressure contextually, given... All of the um, political context that we're faced with. So it's been, it's been really interesting um, shifting from supporting leaders at that level and predominantly starting working with teams and the development of those teams, the, the transformation of the organization, to really starting now with the individual. And even though I still do some corporate work now, I work with anywhere between entrepreneurs, you know, one person businesses all the way to 10,000 plus. And even if it's a CEO of a massive company, I don't go into the team or the organization unless I've had six months to a year privately coaching the CEO because of the importance of this inner work that you understand so well, Sarah. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a journey and I'm still learning for sure.
0: Wow so I would love to know like what do you see are the main differences both and, and, and I'd love for you to go into like both I guess for want of a better word the struggles mm-hmm. and like where they thrive like what are the main differences that you see between these people who are the leaders of big companies who are like more corporate their CEOs versus the Average entrepreneur, the person who was maybe working on their own, or maybe they have a couple of team members, like, what do you see are the main differences where they struggle and like where they thrive? Yeah, it's
1: a great question. And there there are similarities and there are absolutely massive differences. And I've Mm. been really surprised and taken aback by some of those differences. So, similarities is obvious, right? Like, time, for example. So, Big corporate leaders and founders are both very time poor. Um, there's always a draw on what they're expected to do. Someone always wants a piece of them. It's it's there's just so much momentum at right. stake that there's there's a lot of pressure there. In terms of the differences, it's 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 kind of a nuanced difference, right? Because You think that when you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, it's only you, but you still actually need to gravitate with an ecosystem. And actually, this is harder for an entrepreneur than with a leader, because a leader has a whole organization to organize around. And even though there's a lot that needs to go in terms of rallying those people and leading them, role modeling them, creating the right conditions For the collective to thrive and setting a unified common direction, being able to solve decisions in a very fast and accurate way, it's still very much um, useful because there's there there's there's hands on deck so. Mm when you have a new idea or when you shift strategies or when there's a problem or any kind of crisis comes up, you've got people who can execute, you can pull rank, there's different things that you can do and people are already there, there's a context, they know each other, there's some familiarity, whilst that can also be corporate's downfall in terms of change a lot can happen quite quickly. Um, when you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's, it's challenging because you still need, you can't do anything on your own, right? Like that's a complete myth, whether it's your clients, if you're a coach, whether it's your partners, your collaborators, your sponsors, there's still an ecosystem of stakeholders. That's quite complex that you need to engage with. And every successful entrepreneurs that I know, um, really uses that by design so Mm. really really important and a challenge for leaders is they still have that same ecosystem so if you're a corporate leader if i take the police example they had commissioners they had political regulators they had governmental restrictions they have the public so they have all these different stakeholders who are equally important um, and it's really difficult to maintain a balance of both because you have your organization on the inside and then you have your organization on the outside and as the chief executive, your role is to be both. So th- there's a lot going on in terms of complexity and scale I would say that is more challenging at the corporate level. but a big difference that I was really surprised by and this this is the one I mentioned to you when I was in New York is when you are an entrepreneur, You have much more skin in the game. Mm. And there are higher stakes because typically you have taken some risk to get to the position where you are. You've made some kind of conscious decisions and choices to take your business or your life in a certain direction. And there's no ceiling, which is really exciting. There's also no ground. So Mm if it doesn't work out, there's this fear or this perception of possible regression, which makes you feel like you actually have to succeed. I have found that entrepreneurs are way too hard on themselves when it comes Mm -hmm. to that, because I, you know, I've worked with, with leaders who, who, you know, who, who are able to influence countries, who influence thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, life or death decisions when i worked for the nhs the national health service during covid it, it it was there was a global pandemic going on so the the decisions those individuals made like you and me resulted in quite serious consequences yeah. and even though the stakes of those decisions were higher those individual leaders weren't necessarily as invested as an entrepreneur might be in a smaller business, because at the end of the day, their personal circumstance weren't at risk, their kids had shelter, they could get food on their table. And that has a disproportionate impact on the way we navigate the world and the filters that we go through in a way that I didn't quite predict before. Yeah, you made the jump.
0: <laughs> you know, I think that that is such a a beautiful highlight of what it is to be an entrepreneur, that like skin in the game, that actually you can be someone who is in a position that you know that maybe you are making life and death decisions for thousands of people. Maybe you are someone who is really having such big impact on maybe your community, the, the corporation or whatever. But actually, I think being an entrepreneur, when you realize that your decisions could mean the difference between you earning however much a month and earning nothing you taking that action could be the difference between you having a sold out program or you just selling nothing. You know, I think it really is, you know, the, the difference really is highlighted there of like what it takes to be an entrepreneur. What do you think is that like the essence of being an entrepreneur that makes us like different, makes us able to actually make these decisions to make that conscious decision to have a business ourselves, rather than just having that like paycheck guaranteed every month.
1: I've had this conversation so many times in the last few months, because if we end up in a situation where we hit rock bottom, we are resilient animals, right? We have this natural tap where our organisms will go online, and we will do what we need to do to get ourselves out Mm -hmm. of that situation and build back up. Most people have that inner drive, right? We have a very strong survival instinct. It's biological. It's deeply rooted. It's so hard to leave a situation that's mediocre, a -hmm. situation that's not so bad, right? You don't hate it. You don't hate your job, but you don't love it either right there's there's some perks there's some good things there's a lot that you wouldn't want to give up but you also feel that calling for something more your Mm -hmm. value of freedom is also higher you know your your soul's dying a very very slow trickling death right you're you're meant for more and so many people don't have the courage to necessarily um make the jump. And also it's not for everybody, right? Some people are Mm. perfectly happy. Like I know people in the corporate world who they're, they're fine where they are, but if you're that person who knows they're in it for more, the worst thing you can do is get to the end of your life and then wonder what that was all
0: about and Mm. what you could
1: have done. And so I think entrepreneurs are people who have some strong sense of individuality and have made a decision that the way societal conventions operate isn't for them. And then they just had to work it out, right? Because when you decide, and it's it's one of two, because sometimes you also really believe in an idea. I mean, in, in my case, I've, I was kind of an entrepreneur without all the risk within Deloitte for seven years, mm-hmm. right? And and then when I became a real entrepreneur and the financial situation caught up with me, I realized how honest my business would keep me because Mm. you can't delude yourself so easily. Like we're always telling ourselves stories and when we're within structures that are removing us from those feelings, it's so much easier to believe them and to just stay stuck there. So I think the path of entrepreneur is, is, is almost equatable to a path towards truth right mm. and bidding to pursuing that for ourselves and flowing with the known unknown of life um because we we are not in control of it and i'm i'm being humbled every day by mm. that
0: it's, it's a beautiful journey you know you said a couple of really really powerful things in there our first was that you know the being in your comfort zone is just really dying that really slow death you know where you're not you don't hate the job it's not completely awful there are perks but you know you're staying out of comfort you're staying out of safety rather than actually taking that opportunity to be like actually is this completely lighting me up am I thriving like is this my absolute dream like is it just that I'm putting up with it or actually is this what I really want to be doing?
1: I wouldn't say that that's the safe option. I would say that's the death option because, yeah. oh, how safe is it? I mean, are. Our- we, we measure success in such different ways and don't get me wrong. Like I'm all for abundance and, and money and making lots of it and, and having an impact. And, you know, you've helped me with that. And, you know, if you've got money, mindset, beliefs, go and talk to Sarah. But <laughs> when it comes to really feeling um, alive and, you know, what, what lights up your heart, like our energy, Our time, our environment, what we input into our minds, how we spend our time, who we spend our time with, those are hugely meaningful things. And when we talk about a career or professional life, like in this case, like if we have a corporate job, that's two-thirds of your life. That's two-thirds of your life, right? And the, the, the other one is split between leisure and sleep. So it's not an insignificant portion of the the time you spend walking this earth and if there's not an alignment or a a deep connection to how it is that you spend your time then of course there will be some part of you that is repressed or fear-based or in in lack wanting to get out
0: Mm. and I think that that really draws on the the second point that you you made as well the like the money versus impact that you can be having that i say guaranteed with like big air quotes because nothing in life is guaranteed especially you know things in corporate aren't it doesn't mean that you're always guaranteed a paycheck but like the the guaranteed money or just making money in general versus the impact that you're going to be having as an entrepreneur like yes of course there are people in some corporations that It is making you know you said about the nhs like obviously that's impacting people's lives but i think as an entrepreneur it really is a case of you being able to see the individual in front of you and seeing the impact on their life on their business and i think that this is you know coming back to that what you said about the difference between being an entrepreneur it really is a case of like it really like and i saw a post that you did actually it's just coming to mind of like it's not just about the money and I think that the people who get it get it that it's yes we're all about the abundance but it's the impact that we're actually making on a daily basis to people's lives to people's businesses and the ripple effect of that.
1: That's so important and So many people who have lost sight of that disagree with me on that. And I like, I love, I love taking them on. I had so much controversy from that post and it was so fascinating because first of all, you make a really good point. A really good friend of mine um, who lives in London works for a major bank. Um, They've just been bought by a different company. She has been experiencing chronic stress for the last Mm -hmm. six months because she feels her her professional situation is unstable. And and that's through employment. Employment. Whereas, you know, I, I was telling um, my friends who I live with in California here that I really am taking my time, softly reintegrating into normal life after three weeks with Dr. Stephen Gilligan at TransCamp. And they said that slow is easy and you know, I should, I should keep it up and it's fine. I said, yes, but my, my Hawaii retreat's not going to sell itself. I've got to communicate it. And they say that's such a good problem to have and pursuing that conversation was like of course because i have my own event this is an event that i made on a whim after a conversation because i felt called to Mm -hmm. i don't actually need this event to go ahead i'm choosing to create it i have all these different skills that i can fall back on that can be commercialized in any which number of ways in a way that if you've spent 15 years working for a big corporate in a very niche role, you don't necessarily have that flexibility. So there's even something to say for the choice and the ability to pivot, even should things go wrong, and those worst case scenario happening, when you're an entrepreneur, you're, 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 you become your own bottom, you become your own cup. And so, you know, most founders end up doing a bit of everything at the beginning anyway, right? Like they do the sales, and they do the marketing, and they do the operations, and the delivery, and the creation, and the strategy. So there's, there's really um, a real mix in there that makes a big difference. And, you know, I'm quite specialized. So it's not even like um, I fit the mold of the jack of all trades because I've been going deeper and deeper and deeper for almost a decade in refining the same sort of topics and and expertise, you know, going inside and, and using these techniques to really unleash people but this this um this ability to be free um and be able to make it work no matter what happens is really important and it's it's often a tool that we can use to remove the risk because often that's where our mindset keeps us trapped right it's yeah. this belief that you know we we don't take action because we're worried and we stay stuck in the worry of all the eventualities that could possibly happen and it's let's just consider the worst case scenario for a moment Mm. and let's equip our nervous system to hold that worst case and actually visualize and plan for what we might do should that become true yeah and then we're no longer so terrified of it because we know that even if it happens we'll be okay Mm. and we see that actually it's, it, those things never happen, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a it's, it's, it's very cliched shoot for the moons, you'll end up amongst the stars. But I mean, seriously, whenever you take bold, massive action, y- you end up with some kind of result that follows. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never not experienced that, not for me or my clients. So it's really getting the momentum
0: to bring it to the world and outside of our thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, as you said, then that that resilience, it really is a case of, you know, knowing that you can you can never make the wrong choice. Like there's so often I ask my clients, like, what is that worst case scenario that you were speaking about then? And when they when they start discussing and understanding what it might be for them, it usually is the place where they're currently at that place of like being stagnant or not hitting the goals that they want, that worst case scenario is, isn't actually that bad. And, and usually it's where they currently are. And so I think that that knowing that you have the control of the outcomes, you get to take that bold action. You get to like, as you said, like shoot for the stars. Like you, you get to be so much more in control when you are an entrepreneur, rather than, you know, you said you're a friend, like waiting for that six months of having a company take over, like, when you're an entrepreneur, you have so much more control over the outcomes, over your pathway, over your decisions.
1: I love the example you've just given of the worst case being the current truth. And that just makes it so alive and obvious that Mm -hmm. if we didn't, spend so much of that energy resisting, yeah. And we'd be freeing up a lot to create. And th- this is a big difference that I do see. And, you know, I'm, I'm coaching both at the moment. You know, I would say I've got 80% CEOs and 20% coaches and entrepreneurs as my clients at, at the moment. And control and surrender is an ongoing issue. And these entrepreneurs are more in touch with grounded reality and Mm. when you're accepting reality as it is without trying to change it it's really uncomfortable right because we usually have all these techniques and strategies to actually avoid being confronted with what's right in front of us but if we actually just slow down for a moment and create the space to be with that Mm. then it's a much easier springboard Because it's from space that we can create things, right? Like it doesn't come from the noise. A lot of the work that I do is really helping these leaders feel the value in slowing down to speed up at very, very deep layers of their being in ways that are so uncomfortable for them, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes one of the similarities that I see between founders and, and, and leaders is this loneliness syndrome, right? Because... There's just so much going on. When when you're the CEO of a 10,000-person organization, everyone wants a piece of you. There's very few people who actually tell you things as they are, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're worried that that's going to affect their next promotion. There's so many conflicts of interest that unless you're applying real conscious leadership and you've got a trusted circle, it becomes really, really, really lonely. And with an entrepreneur, you feel like, you're always pitching, you're working alone, you're, you know, cutting down on costs. And so you're necessarily going through some kind of isolating phase in order to build and reintegrate. That's so similar. And both can draw on each other, I would say.
0: You know, it's so interesting that you said that your friends that you're living with right now said that like it's easy to be slow that to like take that space because I actually believe like completely the opposite you know and you were saying then of like helping your your leaders like understand that that the slowing down actually is the springboard and I think that people don't realize just how uncomfortable that actually the resistance and the keeping busy and you know, always taking the action. Like I'm, I'm all for taking action, but sometimes the, the, the keeping going is actually keeping you exactly where you are. And we had a beautiful conversation, you know, like before we hit record of like you, that really, that difference between analytically logically understanding things and it really dropping into the body. And I'm a big fan all of my clients know how much I love integration like it's so important like doing the work taking the action yes but integration and the space is like even more important in my mind let's talk embodiment because I know that you were saying before of like actually having the knowledge or the skills or the thing versus allowing for that space allowing for that discomfort for the embodiment to then like drop in I love. Thank you for
1: this door and invitation. Um, Oh my gosh, Sarah, words are so overrated. And I've been on such a journey with this because I have such a strong cognitive analytical mind. I come from a science background. I used to not be spiritual at all. It was just rational and logic. And we all know how it works upstairs, right? Like the ego is one truth per customer. Things are good or bad right? they're not both. It's really being in judgment mode, being in doing mode, being in understanding mode, and just speed. And and we we know it all too well. This is how like, this is how companies operate, right? All, All of the corporates I've been a part of are, most people in corporate are disconnected, neck down. So they spend most of their time in their heads, thinking and we overvalue thought so much in this society. And this is coming from, you know, I'm preaching to the choir and the last three weeks have been <laughs> nothing short of, oh, I don't even have the words. And, you know, i, I the, the moment I met Steve and I, I feel so lucky, I mean, St- Stephen Gilligan, for those who don't know who he is, he's the founder of Generative Trance and he has spent the last 40 years specializing in hypnosis, and very much, um, you know, got all the PhDs and doctorates. He's a very well-known psychotherapist uh, based in Encinitas, California, US. And he has one of his main teachers who he grew up with and was like a father figure to him was Milton Erickson, who's the mm-hmm. father of hypnosis. Wow. And the, the five minutes that I met Steve, he just stared at me. He just looked straight into my eyes and I didn't even I just knew I was in the right place and there had been all these different parts of me that just popped online they just popped and it was every part of my being was paying attention to what was happening It's, it's such a powerful presence and I was so lucky because I mean I was there the full three weeks and in the final week you know he would do these demos a lot of it was experiential Over 90% of what he does is nonverbal. So, you know, ever since I found this world, I've been really practicing with dropping in. And I got very lucky because he would do these demos. And normally they were like 10, 15 minute demos. But in the final week, we did four very deep supervision sessions. So the the clients, by the way, that were there, that I was there with, were just all coaches and therapists, like psychotherapists, scientists, people like that. And um, I was picked to be the client for one of those four demos. So he did a two hour session in the circle and on me in front of a hundred eyes. And I didn't even, I I was, I I could feel when I knew my name would speak, there was like agitation in my body. And one of his assistants came to me and even asked like, why are you scared? What are you scared of? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not scared. This is what (laughs) I live for. But it was this knowing, exactly like when we're talking about a corporate making the leap, that there's going to be a period of calibration and a period Mm. of discomfort because I know something profound is going to happen. And even though I'm all yes to it change is not comfortable Mm -hmm. right transformation is not comfortable We're, we're, we're wired to stabilize and normalize and take the path of least resistance so I could feel that energetically like going through me and I just surrendered to the process and interestingly enough like the the intention that came out when we were doing the work was I want to be held Right. I want to be held. I really i am tired of being strong. And there was this moment. And this is what I was mentioning. I would go into depth here. I have been teaching generative trance for over a year. I'm like trained in it. I'm like part of a fourth you know, generation of training. And one of the key concepts is welcome. The Center for Deep Intelligence, which is a center, um, you know, that's kind of accompanying the AI movement, but right. to do it consciously, um, we were doing the values for it. and I came up with welcome. It's all over the website. like welcome, 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 really allowing these parts of us into the space in a non-judgmental way. So I was conceptually and intellectually very familiar with this concept and yet a year into doing my own work a year into taking that work into my clients I experienced a deeper level because I realized that even though I'd been on a journey of surrender for so long for the last two three years as a control freak in recovery somewhere on that journey I had internalized making control mean bad
0: control Mm. is
1: bad control is keeping me away from living this life of freedom Surrendering to the unknown, being bold and taking the courageous steps that I need to. And that was really helpful for a time. But those two parts of me were not integrated, to use your words, they were disintegrated. And in that moment, Steve really just showed me that for everything that I wanted, I needed to be in control. Mm. I really did and that was a great thing and it kind of blew my mind in the moment because I I just wasn't seeing it that way but it wasn't a it wasn't a thought I'm probably not making coherent sense because there's all these different parts of my bodies that had been shy and been ostracized and I realized wow I have all these programs that I've been trying to get rid of like this negativity loop for example where I worry or I'm cynical. It's like, there's a problem. There's a problem. This is how I take action. And I've been trying to get rid of them, right? I've been trying to not have that interfere with the quality of my day to day. And he basically leaned back and showed me that no matter what I did, I was never going to get rid of that. I wasn't going to be able to cut my arm off or, you know, this deeply conditioned, probably born with part of me came into the world with and there was so much relief because it was like the there's nothing wrong with me that overcame me and then it's like okay it had never dawned on me to actually truly in an embodied way welcome my shadow like give it a seat at the table make space to hold it respect it in the same way as I do the parts that I love so much yeah. and let that become friends and talk so it was such a profound inner experience of integration and I don't know that there are words or a modality with words that could get us to the same outcome because 90% of what happens is unconscious so we've got to go deeper in order to really bring all of those parts to the surface and create sustainable shifts that mm-hmm. don't just, you know, go when the symptoms over, when people want to lose weight or stop smoking or, you know, whatever the classic um pain points are. Mm-hmm. Um, what's actually causing the feeling of comfort how can I lean into that more and give myself space to do the habit or the behavior that is actually causing me pain and stop trying to change it that's Mm. the first change not trying to change
0: (laughs) right so what I think what I loved so much about what you said then is you know you said about control and you know Maybe like not liking that part of you, like it it meaning bad things. And I think this is exactly what society tells us of like, this part of you is bad. This part of you is wrong. This part of you like isn't really shiny and acceptable. And I think, you know, you said it so beautifully then of like actually this deep inner work isn't about getting rid of those parts of you that are so, say, bad. Like it's, it's about welcoming those parts of you it's about understanding that they aren't bad is that they are just part of who you are that that negative self-talk like as much as we don't want it to take over the program and to always be running and to always be the loudest that like those thoughts that you have are just so human they're just so normal like so much of my job when I work with people is just being like yep that's so normal yep everyone else thinks that too like you're you're not weird you're not like the only person who thinks this and I think that that more people need to know that it's just so normal to have these thoughts and this is just how we're wired it's how we're we're created as humans and I think the the quicker that people understand that it's about welcoming those parts of ourselves about accepting those parts of ourselves loving those parts of ourselves rather than just sticking the bad label on I think the sooner that people will be able to drop in more to who they are be able to show more of who they are be able to to really celebrate the parts of them that they've maybe tried to hide away or that they think are shadow parts and I think that you said it so beautifully then of like really just understanding that this is part of who you are. And then that's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a really beautiful thing.
1: Thank you for humanizing that. And I completely agree. And I'm sending a massive message of sympathy for anybody who is not an entrepreneur and Mm. isn't at whatever firm, because if there's one thing that most organizations I've supported Black, it's safety and Mm. safety is such a portal in order to feel these parts of ourselves humanized I mean we talk about psychological safety and bringing our whole selves to work and the normalized behaviors and habits that a lot of managers and leaders exhibit are nothing short of traumatic and this is one of the things I'm most grateful for is the more I do this work, the more I unlock these deeper levels of inner freedom. And it's like, wow, I didn't realize how free I could get. And there's always deeper and there's even more free and it becomes so pleasurable and beautiful to be alive. And you get to learn to integrate opposites. I can Mm. control and surrender at the same time. And that's mind blowing for the ego because the ego like, It's the one truth per customer, right? So our unconscious mind can hold those things. There's non-duality there in a really powerful way. And we're not necessarily in the right structures or environments that really encourage us to go in that direction. So if you're feeling yourself rub against some of these structures, you are not crazy the system is flawed. It's designed to exploit. It's designed to not optimize for human potential. It's designed to optimize for revenue and have the boundaries to hold your own and keep pursuing, keep looking for your tribe because it's possible to live this way. And it's so much more chilled. Mm. And- take it from someone who no one in my personal life would describe me as chilled perhaps <laughs> now I'm in California it's changing <laughs> it's rubbing on me but there that's really possible for all of us like if it was possible for me it's possible for <laughs> you.
0: you know I couldn't love any part of this conversation more I think something you said about then of like wherever you are if you are the coach the entrepreneur if you're in corporate like it's really like it's becoming more of your authentic self and I think that it really is so much it's so needed for people to realize it's not a you're an A or a B, you're not a this or a that, it's both sides. You don't have to just stick in your one box. Like, so much of what society is is like, let's stick a label on you because then we know what you are. You like pink, but you don't like black, or you know, you like Taylor Swift, but you don't like rock music. Like, you can't, but we are multifaceted human beings. We, we have, you know, I love luxury travel. I also love sticking on my hiking boots and getting really muddy like I am both people and it's not a case of just being one that inner freedom that authenticity comes from that deeper work of accepting that you are both parts of yourself that you get to be and I think that this is a really beautiful part of entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurship, sorry, that like the more that you tap into that that you are all of these parts of yourself—you're the person that loves to be in control, but also knows how to surrender. Like the more that you're going to really thrive, like really be able to call in those dreamboat clients, be able to create the offers that you want, be able to whatever it is that you want to do in your business. Like the more that you accept these parts, these deeper parts of yourself, the more that you can like get to that end goal.
1: I just love. How you've just nailed our point of the words can't do justice. When you started, you were talking about being our authentic self, and that's such an overused oh, phrase. Yes. That you be know, finding your true self and finding your yeah. passion, finding your purpose, and like doesn't mean anything. And then you brought it to life by actually explaining what that meant for you. And I felt it in my body, and then I knew and I was going, Yes, and that's that those are your signs like we are multitudes there are Mm -hmm. so many different presences inside of us and in that moment in that session when Steve was working on me that I was explaining the image that came to me was I was swimming I was Mm -hmm. in the ocean with all my parts and you know there's the diva part and the whiny part and the sassy part and the negative part and the smart part and the deep part and the capable part and they were all you know I was having a pool party for all of them and I'm like I'm gonna have regular pool parties for that and you know you could take that out of context and imagine I try and explain that to my family Like okay. what's the you got out of this training that you like traveled the whole world to go and do and we're just you know i i work with a lot of people a lot of the organizational psychologists i worked with do a lot of assessments right and it's like let's do a 360 profiling and a personality test and here's a you know saboteur test and myers briggs and and whilst there's a lot that can be helpful at a collective level to understand you know, habits and trends and styles, and they have their purpose, out of context, those things are superficial. Mm -hmm. And they end up creating conceptual boxes for us when we're not boxable. And that might not always be convenient. And Mm -hmm. reality, not always convenient but that's not to say you can't be realistic you can't be pragmatic I mean most of the entrepreneurs that aren't boxed are way more successful I'm making 10 times the amount of money I made when I was at Deloitte and I'm traveling and I've just taken three weeks out of my business completely right so there's really um a myth here I think that if we surrender to our unconscious mind, we're going to lose our footing and our grounding in the physical world and with society and achieve the things that's actually visible. And it's just going deeper. So the language of the unconscious mind is symbols. It's not Mm -hmm. a language of signs. Signs is like, be your authentic self. Sorry, symbol is like, be your authentic self. It means different things to everybody. A sign is like a stop sign a red light, right? You better hope that everybody stops and interprets it the same. Mm
0: -hmm. That's how
1: ego and our verbal mind can understand things. But a word like freedom, a word like hope, you know, rain, rain could mean life. Without rain, you don't have trees, you don't have gardens, Mm -hmm. you don't have You don't have you don't have anything. That's a lie. Without rain, the whole world would die. Right. And implode on itself. And also rain means tsunamis, means hurricanes, means death, means someone's sister could have died from an overload of water. Right. And they're both true. They're both Mm. true both and we don't need to restrict ourselves and as we go deeper things don't get more complex they get more true and we still have access and we can playfully attach like you said you can book a five-star hotel if you want and you can go on a nomadic retreat in a tent and go camping and hiking and you can do both those things and you can be the kind of person that enjoys both and Mm -hmm. it's 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 much It's much more abundant for you than, you know, the the person who says, well, I'm spiritual and I think money is bad and I only like hiking and I'm going to spend 30 years in the mud and I'm going to make all these other things mean negative things and take myself out because then you're falling in the spiritual trap of that. Or the other way around, right? Like I need, uh, I need a king size bed every single day of the year. Otherwise, I won't have my necessary levels of comfort. Well, mm. missed out on some experiences that could
0: have been quite literally transcendent if you do that. You know, I think that that's a beautiful, like, culmination of the, the conversation that we've had of like, it really is about not just staying in your comfort zone, not just staying exactly where you are, like accepting all the different parts of yourselves even if it is a little bit uncomfortable of not staying in that box just because it's comfortable, not just, you know, accepting things as they are or who you are, by actually allowing those other parts of yourself to drop in the experiences, the, the labels, like whatever it is, like really normalizing all the different parts and all the different experiences that you have as well. I love to ask you what would you how would you like to leave our I was gonna say customers then (laughs) our listeners with today like what is that that last thought that you'd like to to leave them with
1: I would love to leave anybody who's listening to this with the firm belief of infinite possibilities. If we dare remove the filters with which we are conditioned and our experiences have shown us to be possible, there are just so many ways. There are so many ways for you to be both a corporate professional and an entrepreneur, to pursue your dreams in a way that still gives you the safety. And I really want to encourage them to take a step and action for towards that thing that they deeply desire that they currently believe is impossible let yourself be open to that becoming true because it is it just is no matter what it is no matter how wild or big or unreachable it feels from your current state of consciousness
0: Mm. oh i love that i love that so much i always ask my guests one last question to put you on the spot what is one question that you would have loved that I'd asked today or that when you are on podcasts that people never ask you, what is that one question, that one answer that you never get asked or that you would have loved to have been asked today?
1: Hmm, that I would have loved to have been asked.
0: The question that I love to
1: ask and it's okay. ask. is what's something that you haven't ever told anybody? and then reflect on why it is that you're not telling them. Um, but if anything, I would not want to be asked that. It's hard to be my client. Um, so let me think. Hmm. I wish you'd asked me, what's the most exciting physical event you have planned in the next quarter? <laughs>
0: What a great question. (laughs) Tell me all about the Hawaii retreat, if that's the one you're alluding to.
1: (laughs) I mentioned it earlier anyway. Yeah, I I haven't um, been very creative with this one, guys. Um, But the, the reason why I smiled asking Sarah is because... I initially um, am co-hosting this retreat with Jamie DeBonnet, who has lived on the island of Kauai in Hawaii for the last 12 years, and I'm so excited because I've personally never been to Hawaii myself. And when we started um, designing the retreat and talking about, you know, who, who, who we would love to be joining us for that magical weekend, I had just implicitly assumed, there you go, another limiting belief that people would be coming from Hawaii, right? So we'd have to advertise it locally. And sure as hell, my clients have been missing me, and they've been, um, you know, complaining about the fact that I'm not in London, I don't know when I'm coming back. And I said to them, hey, you want more in person stuff, come to Hawaii. And there's two of them who are making things happen so that they can actually join us and travel 24 hours for a 48 hour retreat. So um, we've called it Beyond the Veil, and it's going to be all about Going beyond our filters, and we're going to have movement and trance and deep coaching circles. And it's going to be in the most beautiful outside environment. And we're even going to have a fire ritual. And it's we're really going to be creating a portal to come back to ourselves, igniting all of our senses and not only get the clarity for what is that next step for you, that big, bold next chapter of your career and life, um, but also a lot of courage so that you're you're very ready to actually go and do that and bring it out into the world because it's not real unless it's in the world and you're sharing it. So if you're looking for a last minute weekend holiday, this might be your permission slip and excuse to come and join us.
0: Oh, you know, that sounds so, so potent. And I think that what you said then about you know you assumed it was going to be locals but actually there are already two people that are coming like from London they're coming to travel that I think that that's just a beautiful last piece of the puzzle of like just not assuming like going for those big goals or going for those those goals those desires those things and like not making any assumptions because there are people out there who are willing to travel to go to these beautiful places for these amazing experiences rather than just making those assumptions and like drawing that line of possibility of what's available to you
1: absolutely and we're the living proof right we think it's obvious like i've been traveling the world to follow these teachers and these retreats and these containers and why why would other people not do the same thing i'm doing
0: right mm. so, thank you so oh, much thank you so much Camilla, for this conversation this is not where I thought it was going to go, but it was so beautiful, like, the the things that you were sharing as well. I would love for you to share, like, where people can find you, how they can work with you, like, apart from going on that beautiful retreat in Hawaii, like, tell us all of the things.
1: The best way to find me is either on Instagram or LinkedIn. I've got all the links there. Um, my username is Camelia Barada, so my full name together, I'm sure, Sarah will drop it in, in her show notes. Yeah. And I've got a bunch of, like if you're feeling stuck, um, you know, in between places, you're not quite sure what it is that you want to leave. And, you know, you're you're leaving. Just let me know. I've got all sorts of tools that might be able to help you. Um, and I also invite a couple of people every month I try um, into private, deep coaching privates where I waive my fee. So obviously there's a process for that but just reach out um and um I'd love to point you in the right direction of whatever it is you best need
0: ah thank you so much and everything all of the links and all of the details will all be in the show notes so just drop in there if you want to go and contact her thank you again so much for your time for this conversation I've absolutely loved it thank you so much Sarah Right. For everybody else who's listening, it's time now to tune out that noise in your head to unleash your full potential. And I will speak to you next time.